It's your American Patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to the Jewess patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish women activist. Thank you for joining us on WGBV radio and streaming internationally from your favorite media podcast outlet. There's a big show today. There's so much in the news, whether or not it's going back to school with woke education, uh, what's going on around the world. And of course, American politics takes center stage. So join me in my opening pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Pero, which means sweet pearl in Yiddish. My opening pearls of wisdom today are my thoughts on the debate. I think that there were different winners and losers than what most of the media commentary uh, personalities are discussing. Because I am thinking as a grassroots common voter who speaks every day to people that are disgusted in politics. So here are some of my thoughts. And I really try to not include Trump as a winner or a loser because Trump is in a world of his own. I don't call Trump a politician. I consider Trump a worldwide epidemic in the sense that he's on everybody's mind morning, noon, and night, whether or not you like him or hate him. And it's something you have to think about the same way we think about what we eat, how we uh, get dressed, what we do for a living and who we associate with. So I just want to tell you that um, I want to congratulate everybody like myself who thought that one of the last nights in August to find another activity besides watching the debate and even watching Tucker Carlson, although I did watch Tucker Carlson at a later date because I was very interested in that, but I could not watch it at the time it was actually shown. I know now watching news clips and commentary and uh, getting enough information of repeated quotes from last night that I missed nothing from the first Fox GOP debate. And if I, a political junkie, a former congressional candidate and a strategist, both for political candidates and working with organizations with political agendas had no interest. Imagine what a college student getting ready for school in a new year or a senior citizen who's very concerned about their cost rising and they just can't meet their needs with what they have in their savings. Tell me what they are thinking. 
because I think that on debate night, every single person on this planet lost. And I'll tell you why. Because there is such apathy and disgust in a presidential campaign that it means that people from both parties, any party, won't get out and vote, won't switch party affiliations, which many times people do when they're excited about a candidate, or even register to vote in the first place, like first-time voters, such as 18-year-olds or new legal Americans. And that means that it's going to be very bad for local elections this year and very bad for elections next year. This means that the world is watching America now as they are watching American residents disinterested in their politics and seizing a perfect opportunity as America's enemies in competition to squeeze into that tiny space called the world's superpower. So, Americans, we are all big losers because of the poor quality of the debates last night, and I'm taping this for this weekend, but it's just as timely for the next couple of weeks as people are making decisions if they should donate to candidates, work with candidates, switch their views on candidates, or just get even more turned off. Common sense voters were not interested in the establishment choices of how to run debates, run elections, their fundraising campaigns, and for the sake of discussing what was being talked about on the debates, they did not like the rehearsed sound bites that were played over and over again that was so obviously sound bites that were practiced. People went on that stage knowing exactly who they were going to attack and why. And what was worse, whether or not you agree or disagree, if Republicans are making fun of Democrats not allowing a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or Marianne Williamson to have a debate with President Biden, then the RNC and Ronna McDaniel should be embarrassed that so many people support Larry Elder and respect Larry Elder and that he was disqualified from participating even though he met the qualifications. So here's my warning, because the biggest loser that I feel is the RNC committee members and, in that respect, the Republican Party. Smart grassroots Republican people that started in 2016 and 2018 and 2020 are not going to tolerate the egotistical needs and desires of RNC committee members and its leader. When you are not listening to your most important constituency, your actual voters, because it doesn't matter how much money you raise, if those people aren't in the districts to vote for your candidates, they're not coming out. And you're going to see that really happening to the point that we will lose the House, we will lose more seats in the Senate, and we will lose the White House. And even more blue states will turn bluer, and red states will turn more purple, if not blue. So wake up, RNC, and listen to the voters. 
we are the ones who are the biggest losers from the nonsense that is going on so far for the 2024 elections. And you're wasting billions of dollars that we simply don't have to waste. So my winner or winners, I know everybody's saying Donald Trump was the biggest winner. I'm just going to say I found a very good quote that Donald Trump said many years ago that I think applies to this whole system right now we're debating. My whole life is about winning. I don't lose often. I almost never lose. And that's Donald Trump. Even going through all these indictments and all these uh, harassing situations and even having the Republican Party that he was so good to as president, so many people backstab him. Enough said about that. But I think there were really two winners last night. And it was really a tie. And I'm calling them Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson because they are a marriage made in heaven. Because the last time I checked, there were over 100 million views on the interview with Donald Trump. I will tell you, I don't remember ratings like that for anything televised since maybe the, uh, and now I'm going to show my age, the final show of MASH or Who Shot JR with Dallas. Because nobody gets those kind of things anymore. And I will tell you, they must be calling me because they probably agree. (laughs) Anyway, sorry for that. But uh, I will tell you, the conversation between Trump and Tucker Carlson was not only intelligent and entertaining, but it didn't seem practiced It didn't seem like it was sound bites that strategists were paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for for practicing and writing. It seemed like it was real. And that's what Americans are craving, regardless of party. They are struggling at the supermarket, at the gas station, leaving their homes safely. They fear going out of their homes after 8 o'clock at night in the suburbs because of the high crime. And they are looking for reality and realty in a person. So whether or not you love Donald Trump's tweets or not, his interview came off much much more presidential than anything that was shown on the debate stage. It's teaching you that educated viewers will never rely solely on television channels again they will look to their phones and their ipads for people that think like them and everybody has a youtube channel writes up blogs and does podcasts and they're going to find the people that agree with them and those people are going to shine and finally i wanted to say congratulations to newsmax i enjoyed watching rob schmidt and greg kelly And not only do they focus on the debate and the interview, but they also discussed headline news and they actually had on Rudy Giuliani with his mugshot hours after his arrest in Georgia. It was really good because that showed something to everybody around the world that Democrats and independents are concerned about what should happen to them if they have a lawyer who gets arrested for representing them. 
in a case that could be as simple as a parking ticket or a divorce or as more complicated as a white-collar crime. If it could happen to Donald Trump, it could happen to anybody, especially someone without the financial means and media contacts to get help the way Trump and Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and the rest of them did. There is something that we know about, and that is called attorney-client privilege, which seems to have gone out the door with everything else with this corrupt judicial system we are living with today. Seemingly corrupt. So I'm going to say that the biggest winners last night were the people who believe in America first, way before and way after Donald Trump made that one of his slogans. Because we became a superpower by a love of this country, a concern for our fellow people, and a brighter future for our children. So we need some massive changes right away. The status quo of how the debates were handled, how the campaigning is handled, how the money is handled, and who the people making the decisions are handled is going to be reflected very, very well at the poll booths at through the mail-in ballots November. Joining us now is one very busy lady. I'm so glad I have her because I've been seeing her all over television the past two weeks. You know Christina Bob as an investigative reporter, an attorney. She's been a correspondent on One America News Network. She's a best-selling author of the book Stealing Your Vote, Inside the Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. And she is a Trump attorney for Save America PAC. And I invited Christina on, not because of the debates, not because of the indictments, but because of something that I am seeing through my travels, hearing through my national audience, and witnessing very locally. And that is the fact that whether or not we want to face it, people are disgusted with the with the policies and the agenda of the Democratic Party They're going to their supermarkets and their gas stations and they're seeing the prices rising. They're afraid to go out past 8 o'clock at night on their streets, even in the suburbs where crime was never heard of at the rates it's going on. And how are we going to get those people so disgusted to uh, realize that the policies work with Trump and that he will be the nominee in all likelihood and that they have to get on the the Trump train, for lack of a better word. So, Christina, thanks so much for joining me. Cindy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I've seen you all over the place discussing every every move. You know, I, I really say Trump isn't a politician. Trump isn't a president. Trump has a place in everybody's brain. You hear the name Trump more than you hear your children's name every day for the past six years. 
Yeah, he definitely is the most famous politician, arguably the most famous person on the planet right now. I mean, the chaos that we're seeing in the United States is really taking place all over the world. And I think the world is looking to the United States going, are you going to pull us out of this? Because Donald Trump is the only one that truly does want to return the power of government back to the people. And uh, certainly America, but I would say the rest of the world needs America to do that. Well, right now, I mean, they saw this past week, Biden first insulting the the survivors of that horrible situation in Hawaii and then falling asleep in the audience, going back on vacation, and the world is laughing at us. They see yeah, this every day. It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, and it's tragic for the families who are experiencing horrible tragedies in Hawaii right now. And the fact that our government has become so corrupt that people believe that whether the fire was intentionally started or whether it was an accident, that this really is an attempt by the wealthy elites to to do a land grab or to, to take land from people who didn't want to sell their property. Now, I don't I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I've seen the accusations coming and it's a it's a sad, disheartening place when there's. It, it compiles on what is already a tragedy for the state of Hawaii, particularly for Maui, and then to not trust your government and believe that the government is just trying to help. Um, As you were saying, all of a sudden. Well, I think it's uh, really disheartening that these families, whether it's true or not, uh, that this is a, a land grab um, by elitists. You know, we're seeing that rumor percolate and people saying we need Maui investigated. Um, it, it's sad that these people are facing such tragedy in their families uh, and losing their homes and possibly loved ones. And now they have to question whether their government's actually on their side or is their government trying to take literally take everything from them in order to give it to their elitist friends. I mean, the fact that that's even a question in our minds, uh, I, I just think it's a sad state of events. I also think a big news story that no one is talking about, but that common sense voters can agree on is that they're totally disgusted that uh, it came out this week that the Department of Education is getting or giving $200 million to China to get involved in our curriculum, in our classrooms. That's insane. They're they're hemorrhaging our wealth to make us slaves to other countries. I mean, that's effectively what they're doing. And it's an, it's embarrassing. The United States should be and used to be a pinnacle of a, um, a shining example of what it means for free people to prosper. When people are free, prosperity is the natural result. And right now we've been suppressed and oppressed to the point where our, we're not free and we're being subjected to really humiliating policies by, um, China, China loving politicians who care more about enriching their own political pockets than actually serving the American people. And of course, again, this week, another big headline that common sense people are really disgusted with, and that is colleges. And now they're talking about, I saw articles, I don't know how true they are if they were opinions, that the CDC is going to require not only additional boosters, but masks for everybody. 
And they want to do this in October, perfect timing for early voting and November elections. And people think that that's not important for the next year. It's more more important than they realize. These local elected officials that will be elected are going to have a big say in the future Congress, many of the Senate seats, and, of Mm -hmm. course, the presidency. Yeah, I think they used to get away with these type of tactics pre-COVID because nobody was really paying attention and they weren't that extreme and they could, you know, kind of manipulate us here and there and everybody just kind of minded their own business. But post-COVID, their manipulation has been so extreme and quite frankly, deadly, um, the way that they've manipulated with masks and vaccines. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it looks like there's some very serious side effects of some of these vaccines. Um it's not anything the American people can overlook anymore. And it's not anything that I think the vast majority of us are willing to overlook. I think they're going to have a much harder time this around this time around. People aren't just going to be compliant. People aren't just going to say, Oh, okay, I'll put my mask on. Yeah. There will be some that do that, but now it's very clear that the vaccines don't work and they lied to us before they said they did work. And not only do they not work, but they're killing people. Uh, If you are vaccinated, you're more likely to die of COVID than if you're unvaccinated and uh the masks don't work masks do not work against viruses and that the true science has come out now um so i i don't think they're going to have the compliant population that they had back in 2020 so i'm going back to my original statement which is something that i try to answer for people and that is how do we get the common sense voter common sense voter who's an independent or a moderate Democrat and does not recognize the party that they started in mm-hmm. to come on the Trump team. And I'm not saying they have to go gaga and rara, but they actually have to say they have to vote for him because their retirement funds, the mm-hmm. their cost of food, their ability to be a proud American was so much better between 2017 and 2020. Well, I think the Democrats are doing a really good job of proving that point for us, one with their crazy policies now, but more so with the way they're indicting Donald Trump. I mean, they've indicted him four times now on absolutely ridiculous charges. Um, They're proving his point when he says they're not after me, they're after you. I'm just in the way. And they're proving his point when they indicted 18 other people and they've indicted almost 20 people in Michigan who um, stood up and actually investigated the stolen election in Michigan. So it's not to me, it's not even a question of policy. Clearly, Donald Trump's policies are the America first policies that actually work. And liberals are sending money to China and Ukraine and they're sending 100 billion to Ukraine, but none to Hawaii or very little to Hawaii. Uh, I don't I don't even think it's anybody who's halfway paying attention should recognize this is not about policy. It's about the right to disagree with your government and when you disagree with your government to have a say in replacing that government. Because what they're doing with these indictments is saying, if you try to disagree with us, we're going to throw you in jail. And right now they're doing it to Donald Trump. But if they successfully do this to Donald Trump, which I don't think they will, but let's assume for a second that they successfully get rid of Donald Trump, throw him in jail or whatever, we're all next. That means that none of us, and we no longer have the right to push back against government, to object. They've uh, criminalized free speech, they've criminalized political dissent, and they've criminalized political opposition. So it's not a question of policy. It's a question of, do you want to have a say? Do you want to be a self-governed nation or do you want to be under dictator rule? That's the question. So 
I mean, I think another big issue that I think that the RNC is absolutely horrendous at taking advantage of where we should be really having 90%, if not more, and the polls and everything and not have a worry about it, any of our candidates is that this, they don't even go after enough people like Eric Adams. Eric Adams went to Israel this past week while New York City is literally falling apart. New York State with Kathy Hochul is falling apart. Gavin Newsom. I mean, they're, they're talking about him for president. There should be everyday ads on every major station about his record. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are, we are hurting ourselves. And of course, now, you know, trying to figure out who is, you know, I love this bushy or not bushy or Trumpy. We're wasting time and effort. We're going to waste billions of dollars on, on campaigns that are going nowhere. Right. When everybody knows the grassroots and I experienced it firsthand this summer and you have also, I mean, I went to states and parts of the states were, uh, democratic. And all you see are Trump flags. You don't even see another candidate from the local area. You don't see a Biden anything. Yes, you do see something with Biden with that word. You know, <laughs> that reminds with duck. But um, it's all about Trump. It's not even a party. It's about Trump. I think you're right. And in my opinion, the RNC is largely irrelevant this time around. Um I don't think they're effective and I don't think they're being particularly helpful for all the reasons that you stated. And there's probably, you know, a hundred more reasons, but um, much like the Democrat platform really moved away from the DNC. I mean, the DNC hasn't been their big fundraiser for several, several election cycles. Um, They really do things through private uh nonprofits and you know they kind of it's harder to track how democrats are campaigning um i i just i don't see the republican party as being too terribly relevant because they're not doing the things that need to be done to make a difference and i also think as people get closer and closer to the election you're going to see less interest in places like fox news because people yeah, are picking up true. the uh, I don't care what you say. I mean, now maybe it was a first. I think as time goes on, you're going to see less relevance. I see the RNC making mistakes by not including uh, debates with Newsmax and One America News, uh, yep. going to a lot of these uh, grassroots people and maybe piling them together. There are so many outlets that people follow that they trust that are not any of these big stations Yep, and- I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I think get grassroots are key to all of this. And in you know, I wrote "Stealing Your Vote: The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024." And in there, I talk a lot about the grassroots because um, just even outing the problems with the 2020 election and how to fix them really was a grassroots effort, and it continues to be a grassroots effort. And it's these local, you know, mom and pops, uh, little organizations in these local areas in Racine and Phoenix, and you know. Allegheny County and all these places that really are the ones that are making the difference. So I would encourage all of your listeners to get involved in an organization in your local area. If you don't know how to find something, please go to causeofamerica.org. 
CauseCAUSEofamerica.org. That's actually Mike Lindell's organization. And all, all it is, that it's not in and of itself an organization. It's just a network. So if you want to find something in your area, it's a, it will be able to find someone in your county that you can reach out to to say, hey, I want to be involved. So he was, you know, Mike Lindell being the gracious man that he is, put put the website together so that people could connect to someone in their local area to get involved in this. So uh, please take the opportunity to do that because you're exactly right, Cindy. It is a grassroots effort in 2024. If we're going to save it, which it is savable, um, it's going to be through the grassroots efforts. So you mentioned the book and that was my next question for you. So now I'm going to change around the question. You wrote the book probably a year ago before a lot of this stuff is going on and even probably mm-hmm. the country was thought of a little bit better than it is now. If you had to write the book today, what would you change about it for? Uh, I wouldn't change anything, uh-huh. honestly. Um, yeah, we're in a, I wrote it a while ago, but it came out about six or seven months ago, but, um, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it's a compilation of stories. You know, I cover about 12 different states and I tell you what happened in 2020 and what needs to happen for 2024 in order to solve the problem. And, all of that, it still stands true. It's still accurate. It's still uh, probably more relevant today than it was. Yeah, a year actually, ago. like it's almost prophetic. I didn't know how, how important it was going to be, but um, no, I don't. I don't think I'd change anything. I would actually probably add in more detail. How yeah, right, right I, you are. Like I, that's I, what I was going with because it is a great read. I I read it when it first came out. Oh, thank you. It is a quick read for people, and it's perfect for a grassroots person. And you talk about grassroots. This is a show on Long Island that goes out nationally, but I will tell you, I've been on national stations and everything. It's the local people that follow me, that mm-hmm. ask me questions, that ask me to go to events. So you're totally right. And I will share through my outlets all the information that you just uh, relayed. Also share with us where our audience can purchase your book. Uh, you can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can go to my website, christinabob.com. Um, it has a link to the Amazon you know, book sale there, uh, Twitter, Instagram at Christina underscore Bob and truth at Christina Bob, all the places I'm there. Well, as always, you're always welcome. And I think this conversation has to be continued on a regular basis. It has to be updated and it has to get out to those seniors, those suburban women, those Mm -hmm. people that say never Trump when they realize they really want Trump, but they're afraid to say it out loud. Even those actors that are on strike, So many of them are for Trump right now because they know his policies work for them and they see how Hollywood is falling apart. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up the strike. They're striking and nobody cares. (laughs) Like like these folks in Hollywood seem to think that they're so important. You know, the world can't go on without them. And they've been striking for a while. And I don't think anyone's even noticed. I I tend to agree, and I notice more and more people are even tuning off the streaming stations. At first, it was fun, but now, I mean, people are tired of watching the same nonsense over and over and over again, and they're looking for other things to do. They're spending quality family time, and that's why you have all these people with the country songs, number one, and, and, you know, family and religion is going to come back because whatever, you know, happens is an opposite and equal reaction, and people are rebelling it does non-politically to the fact that uh they're just sick and tired of not having family faith and freedom yeah no i I think you're exactly right and i hope we do see uh a return to 
I don't want to just say religion, but just belief in, you know, a, a moral authority, you know, whether you're a Christian, whether you're Jewish, whatever it is that you, that there's a moral authority higher than you, because if you, you know, so many Americans today believe that they are the moral authority and look at the debauchery that's taking place in our country today. You know, I think getting back to basic fundamental beliefs in a higher power, I think is really important. And I, I think you're right. I think we're starting to see that and we'll see more of that. Well, like I said, you're always welcome back. Please come up, come on in and update us. And when you're in New York, come to the studio. We can do a live broadcast. I love that. uh, That would be great. Yes. And we have some very loyal friends. We're in Nassau County, which is really Trump territory on the, on the grassroots level. All it is is Trump. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you in person. Thanks so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thanks, Cindy. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot, where you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of our show, our guests, our audience. And many of you know, I am an education activist. So I'm really excited to welcome back to the show, Kenny Z, who has a brand new book out, School Awoke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. And he is also the president of Color Us United, which advocates for a colorblind society. Many of you remember in 2021, Kenny was one of the first to discuss education issues in his best-selling book, and he was featured everywhere. And we are so excited to welcome him back. Awesome. Well, it's great to be back. Well, uh, we were just talking before we started taping that uh, the book is getting rave reviews. Tell us some of the things that... uh, had been happening with the book after the Harvard case, after we and I won the Harvard case, the affirmative action case, I think that the next big issue in education for Americans is going to be how do we raise the standards and end victimhood ideologies in schools? Because this CRT and these ideologies are the kinds of ideologies that are really hurting achievement. They are depressing minorities, causing them to believe that America is a racist country. And the standards that are being lowered in education simply to placate minorities in the Democratic Party are reviled, are are vile. So I was pitching this book over to prominent book reviewers outlets like Legal Insurrection, and you can read their review, but they gave me five out of five stars because I add real original research to supplement what has previously only been theorized in American education. But it is happening. It is happening with your kids. It is happening right now. Well, I could tell you as a teacher, an award-winning teacher, I had test scores that were high in the state two decades ago that I saw in a middle-class minority neighborhood where the majority Mm -hmm. of the staff was minority even living in the neighborhood, the majority of the elected officials were what we would probably call today the minority progressives. Some of them are still uh, in office. The rest of them either went to jail or uh, were in jail. Oh, (laughs) 
Yes, my my story is like paint in place, but that's before your time or uh, Vanderpump rules if you want to relate it to your guys' age. But I saw it wasn't people like you and me and concerned parents who believe in family, faith, and freedom who were downgrading the schools. It was the people who we were supposed to help the most and putting the most money in. After all, blue states, they spend more money than anybody else on per student and yet they produce the least results exactly and this is part of what this book is also going to address why are blue states having such low achievement among minorities in fact in red states the achievement gap between whites and blacks is lower than it is in blue states in blue states like new york and california blacks have lower scores in math and reading than they do in red states like Mississippi, of all places, which is now number one in the country in terms of math achievement for low-income students. So why is that? It's it's because the money that they're pushing into these agendas in the education system aren't going towards actual learning. They are going to administrative bureaucracy. They are going into activism and reinforcing an economy within the school system where businesses take advantage of, activists, nonprofits take advantage of them, uh, ideologues take advantage of these students as well. They're using the student to serve the business interests rather than the other way around, which is how it should be. I questioned what a nonprofit organization was doing in my school because no one could figure out what was going on in the leadership So I saw this and I reported it 2008, 2009. I was out of the school 2012, 2013. The head of the nonprofit who actually was working with state senators and assembly people embezzled $85,000 from the school. Just think how many years this was going on, how much money. We don't even know what wasn't established. And that unfortunately is not the exception. It's becoming the norm. Exactly. You know, you're, you have these nonprofits, they work with state legislatures. And what people don't know, what people don't understand about the school system is how economically driven it is now. Um, how much of a gold mine, a pot of gold it is for business interests who align with the, with the unions and who align with the um, administration. So in my book, for example, I talk about how the NAACP, which is an organization that has gone very woke, demanded from Loudoun County Schools in Northern Virginia $385,000 to facilitate a systematic racism audit in the school, where they, of course, after the audit, they concluded that the school had an enormous racism (laughs) and unconscious bias, which only created the incentive for more of anti-racism to be be, uh, imbued in the school system. Well, I have to tell you that uh, it, we have experienced as Jews discrimination in Harvard and, and Asians, and I know in our communities, but we, it's not that we achieve because we're giving. We actually have the merit-based. We actually believe in producing the results. It's not handed to us. And that's the difference. And you know what? More and more minorities are starting to see this, especially I'm, I'm getting a lot of response from uh, minority fathers who are disgusted with the progressives who have ignored their part in improving education. And fathers that speak out about this are often ignored by the very left. Well, it's because the minorities and the poor people are the ones who will, will hurt 
from these this agenda. Who wants the CRT agenda in the schools? Progressive elites, right? Merrick Garland's son-in-law runs a progressive technology company that surveys students about all kinds of woke things. They'll ask nine-year-olds whether they are transgender and whether they've ever brought a gun to the school. They they secured $75 million in contracts with hundreds of school districts all across the nation to survey these kids, which, by the way, takes away from their precious learning time. Meanwhile, school standards have dropped. Uh, math and science scores and reading scores have dropped in the nation. The COVID pandemic made it drop even further. We thought there was going to be a rebound, but there hasn't been. There is no rebound from COVID. Learning loss is real. It is happening right now. And Democrats and progressives are not focused on that. They're focused on the agenda. I want to remind everybody, the brand new book is School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. I will tell you, we're getting a lot of attention now. There's a lot of education books. Every parent is coming out. And yet we are still losing this battle. First of all, shame on every teacher in this day and age. If you are paying dues to a union that you really don't agree with, why are you still doing it? I took my dues membership out years ago. And I, I, I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. harassed and intimidated for doing it, but it was my right to do. Number two, parents, you're still not getting out enough in local elections. And not, it's just not school boards. It's your local village leaderships, your local library boards. It all relates to it. It's not something that just happened overnight. And also I want to discuss, you did bring up the money of someone from the left. Let's not forget Common Core and the Bush family's involvement in all of this that we don't talk about enough. And that was probably one of the best reasons why Donald Trump really uh, was able to overtake Jeb, uh, Jeb Bush, because there were people talking about Common Core and about the Bush family's involvement and in working with these mm-hmm. the same exact people, the Bill Gates and everybody that you're talking about now. Yeah, I would say it was a Bush in my book, School of Woke. I've done a lot of research on that. I would say it was a Bush Obama agenda. That's what I would say. And what I mean by that is Bush was the one who really started putting the federal government in in massive quantity into um, local education through No Child Left Behind and through Common Core. But then Obama continued that and actually increased a lot of the radical elements of Common Core, including a demand in 2015 for SEL, social emotional learning. It, it was a requirement for schools to have some social emotional learning component. Now, I don't know about you and me, but if you start making the job of the school system to emotionally caretake for children and to counsel children, then you are losing that focus on learning, which on the number one thing, which is to improve the kids learning. That is the main function of the school system. You can't make it a custodial facility as well. So I'll tell you two things in relation to that. Number one, there are state and federal laws, including contractual obligations and chancellor's regulations in, in regard to mandated reporting. If you suspect something, you're supposed to report it. Too many people don't report it, and it's actually a social services law breaking it. That's a big issue with mental health. We're letting kids go by year after year where they need help from their home. It's not the school's jobs, but it is the mandated reporter's jobs within the school Mm -hmm. if they see something wrong to report it. And the other thing I do want to talk about with you that's very important with this is that – uh. 
you're talking about uh, special services and mental health. So many of the services that are supposed to be provided that millions of dollars are going to in federal and state budgets are not being served because the teachers just don't care and they could get away with it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Exactly. Um, And but I'll tell you, administrative new administrative policies on reporting are making all of this worse. And I'm glad we're having this discussion because it's kind of nuanced. But, for example, uh, the discipline guidelines now that have been unveiled um, in Santa Barbara schools, which I investigated closely and heavily for my new book, School of Woke, um, the 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 super the you, if you are to report a discipline violation as a teacher, you have to go through so many loopholes, so many hoops just to even get a report out there. And you are questioned at all turns because they don't want teachers disciplining too many black students. Uh, equity is is the reason why they why they pushed this agenda. So if a kid is smoking marijuana in class, that used to be suspendable. Now it's not suspendable anymore. He has to be actively selling marijuana or selling that drug. Uh, so, but if a teacher even to report that violation, which she is mandated to do, has to go through three separate um, sort of uh, administrative processes just to even report that. So it's making these teachers' jobs harder and harder. And if you do report it, you get retaliated against, as I know, and as my listeners know, because they've been following what I've been going through. And uh, I'll give you another good example. When you go on JetBlue and you have to go out out of the country and they ask you to declare things on your immigration papers, they ask you about weapons like toy guns and stuff like that. In school, and I have the documents to prove it, it's not a weapon. So you could threaten a second grader and tell them you're going to kill them and frighten them. And it's allowed. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, you know, there's this coddling, there's this uh, creation of this coddling mentality, this uh, victimhood mentality, lowering of standards. That's something that's a big thing that's going on at these schools right now. Again, all covered in my book, School of Woke. Um, so, but I, I, what I really do in this book, by the way, Cindy, is that I really, point out that the critical race theory is a component of a larger system that is moving schools in the direction from uh, from being about the student and its learning to now the student is abetting the various adult agendas that are going on. Well, I love in the book that you really, and you're one of the few people who actually does this because I I know this because people call me all the time. You really focus in on tracing it back to the 1970s and showing how this ideology became institutionalized and how it really has gone through so many things that we discussed so far. So many people just think they look at that Loudoun County parenting and that's what it's about. And that's why we really need to get more involved. And we really have to focus into our local school systems, our local libraries, our local elections, and our local mm-hmm. media. You know, mm-hmm. we're not getting the attention we need enough except for certain places. So let's go to our local village newspapers where they have plenty of women want us and do something there. And that will get picked up today. Everybody knows how to do it, but we're not winning this war. Yes, exactly. And one thing, one other practical suggestion from a teacher's perspective, if you're an educator re- reaching this, you don't have to pay teachers unions dues. You don't have to pay the NEA's dues. 
Um, why do you want to pay $600 a month or however much you're paying out of your own salary for teachers unions that are not even lobbying for your rights anymore? They're mainly lobbying for progressive social agendas at the top. Uh, there's an, in Carolina, for example, you with new teachers, quote unquote, unions are forming that are actually challenging the original purpose of these teachers unions. One is called the Carolina Teachers Alliance. And I say this because I live in North Carolina. And you can join them and your whatever your local other entity is to get real representation for you. I also want to remind our audience that uh, they could still purchase your previous book as well, which is really an amazing book. An Inconvenient Minority, the Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Mediocracy, which was published in 2021. It's just as timely today as it was then. We are seeing many shifts in the Asian community about getting involved locally and also building coalitions. I'm in New York. I'm seeing this a lot in Queens. It happens to be I know a lot about the Queens school districts and what's going Mm. on in the Asian communities there versus the other Mm -hmm. communities. And it is just amazing to see and build these coalitions. The left is much better at collating than we are. And we've got to learn how to do this. And you've got to really make up your mind that you got you know what if it has to be homeschooling because now the private schools are trying to do the same thing like the public schools we need adjustments otherwise we are going to lose our superpower status and our future of our children exactly exactly i mean look at what china is doing right now they are they are systematically producing engineers systematically producing tech savants They are directly competing with us in the tech AI race. If we don't know how to produce STEM talent in our schools, and it's clear by our results over the past 30 years, we have a crisis in STEM for sure. And the majority of the kids that are getting STEM degrees here are immigrants, which is good, which is fine. And that's what the American immigration system is about. But man, why don't we produce some homegrown talent in STEM? So um if we don't, if we lose that advantage with China, we're going to see our super superpower status uh, disappear. Please tell everybody where they can get the book and where they can reach out to you. Get my new book, School of Woke, and my old book, An Inconvenient Minority. We actually talk about a lot of these other issues too. Um, at at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, wherever books are sold. Kenny, you're always welcome back. I love what you do because you really understand the heartache. I have suffered for 20 years trying to expose this. And people thought my news was no news or old news. But it's actually more timely today than ever because the kids that are running in the streets stealing and entitled are the kids that were going through what you discussed now 20 years ago in the schools. And you care deeply about your children, about all children. I think that's what we should too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you. Welcome back in to the Jewess Patriot Show with Cindy Gross. My name, Drew Schultz, and I am your American Patriot DJ. So glad you are here today, a part of 
the program as we leave you like we normally do. We always have a song of the day, and we always like to take a look at the calendar and kind of look at what the national day is, right? And what a funny one today. Today is National Banana Lovers Day, and boy, there's a long history when it comes to the banana. A lot of people think that it could be the very first fruit of the world. Many food historians and scientists believe the bananas, they were first cultivated almost 2,000 plus years ago. Think about that. Unfortunately, no one really knows who invented National Banana Lover's Day. It is just one of those special internet holidays that just appeared one day and began to be spreading across the world wide web by banana lovers everywhere. A lot of health benefits with banana. I, I totally get that. It helps heart health. It helps to build lean muscles. It supports bone health, helps muscles to recover after exercise, helps to reduce bloating. I could go on and on, but this is not a medical show. So today, let's just do this. Maybe you need to have some banana with your ice cream today, or maybe for breakfast, top your pancakes with some banana and maybe blend a smoothie together later. Either way, your song of the day, the banana song. Until next time, love somebody, be kind, choose joy, and eat that banana. See ya. Work all night on a drink a rum. Daylight come and we won't go home. Stack banana till the morning come. Daylight come and we won't go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and we won't go home. He said, come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come.
U.S. Patriot, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching The Jewish Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.